0: You're listening to episode 59 of Widowcast with Joanne Philomena, best-selling author of Widowed and professional certified life coach. This is a Joanne the Life Coach podcast production, which also includes Weight Coach and This Is Us podcasts. This podcast is based on real stories and real experiences of widowhood. Both my own story as a widow and many other widows I've known and worked with as a life coach. Welcome back, listeners. After this brief opening, we'll follow an interview with a widow whose experience of widowhood is very much the same as what we all experience, but with a bit of a twist. As with all interviews of widows that I present here from time to time, I ask that you listen with a completely open heart. Many times what we experience on our individual journey of grief is different. We cannot always measure our own grief by the journey of other widows, nor should we ever judge the journey of another widow as measured against our own experience. There are some sound artifacts still in the recording. I've sound edited out as much of the interference to make the quality of the interview as best as I can recover it. I wanted to go ahead and include this interview because I feel it is so valuable and needed in the widow community. Stick around to the end so I can tell you more about widow coach training. And with no further ado... Here is my interview with an amazing lady, Rebecca Kendrick. Today I want to talk about something different than I've ever talked about before, and I'm bringing you a very different kind of widow interview. Um, What spontaneously triggered this was I received a letter from a listener, and you know how much I love hearing from you guys. And this listener was telling me how much the podcast had helped him through the loss of his spouse. And it had been such a great source of hope and comfort, like listening to a good friend talking over a cup of coffee. And he felt my podcast was walking him through one of the most difficult years of his life. And I was so honored to hear that. And when he shared his story with me, I realized that he was in a same sex marriage and he lost his husband of 16 years. And it, first of all, it hit me in the gut. You know, I cry over every one of you I hear from. And hearing from someone who was a widow from a same sex marriage, my first thought was oh my gosh, if I felt so isolated and unsupported when I first became a widow. I can't imagine how much more isolated a man in a same-sex marriage might feel or a woman in a same-sex marriage might feel on becoming widowed, right? Because there's a little struggle there to begin with, sometimes with family members, friends of family who might struggle to even wrap their heads around a same-sex marriage let alone somebody if they're widowed in a same-sex marriage or if they're widowed in a same-sex relationship. Maybe they weren't married because the laws hadn't changed soon enough. And people think, well, it's not like you were married, even though they had lived with that person for years and had a close relationship with them. So it came to my mind that this is something that I needed to add to Widowcast. This kind of outreach, this kind of story, because, you know, I love to interview widows who might have a different view on widowhood, a different experience of widowhood than I do, because I know not all my listeners are me to begin with. So today I have someone with me who graciously agreed to talk to me on the podcast. Her name is Rebecca Kendrick and Rebecca was in the same-sex relationship, and her wife passed away almost three years ago. Welcome to the podcast, Rebecca.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so grateful that you're here to share your story to anyone who will strongly identify with hearing your story. So just take a few minutes and tell me a little bit about your relationship, your wife, and how you became widowed.
1: Um, I was with my wife for nine years well, eight years I mean she got sick, she got cancer and um and then it was a rough year of being sick, and it was fast mm-hmm. um you know when I met her, she was twenty five I was thirty five things went well, she had small children, we raised them together. And everything was good. We we lived in a house, you know, just yeah. you know, like any other couple. Right. You know, go to work, take the kids to school, school plays, school soccer matches, sports. You know, these yeah. The whole the whole family, but you know, people don't realize that we're people too. We have families too, and. You know and then she got sick in the hospital luckily for us though the law had passed and we had gotten married yeah so we were legally married
0: that's fantastic so there <laughs> were no issues with health decisions
1: no none and they yeah. and you know luckily you know in the state of New York they accepted it uh, no issues with doctors nurses the hospital they all looked at me as the as her spouse You know, and you know, her, you know, and I didn't have any issues with her family. Not that I would have, even if we weren't married. Yeah. But uh, I know. But when she was really sick and couldn't make any decisions, they looked to me for everything. You know, even if her mom would ask, they would look at her mom and be like, "We can't. We have to go through Rebecca." Yeah. Which you know, which was kind of weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and kind of uh, a double-edged sword. Right?
1: It is a double-edged sword. Yeah. But, uh, but you know what? I didn't make any decision without asking my mother-in-law too. Cause, right. Because it was her baby.
0: Right, right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Which is another kind of grief. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So right. you
0: went through that um, that rough year and, and be- fell into the role of caretaker, I guess.
1: I'm sure. Uh, yeah, caretaker. Yeah. Um, the children, you know, how do you deal with young children and a dying spouse?
0: Right, right.
1: That's is another issue.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think the truth is, um, you know, and people try to compare and you can't really compare. I think even when you're dealing with someone who is terminal. Yes. And the long illness and you think you're prepared for that, you're still not truly prepared. It no. still hits you kind of the same way when they do pass as right. it does for someone who suddenly loses their spouse. Oh, right. Right? right. So there, because there's really no way to prepare for what we don't know.
1: It's true. And, you know, we had false hope at the end there because she was really sick. But then she started to seem like she was getting better. And yeah. then, and they were like crossing their fingers. And we had a good month. And then it was all downhill after that. and then And then she was gone. Right. And then you have right. to deal with all of that and while you're in your cloud of disbelief.
0: <laughs> right. Right. You're just in that
1: fog. You're in a fog. Yes. Yeah. It, it, the fog is unbelievable. And, you you know, you hear about the grief fog and you don't understand it until you're in it. And it's different. Yeah. It is so different when you lose your spouse than, say, when you lose one of your parents. Right. You know, and I had people tell me, "Oh, I know how you're feeling. I lost my mom," and I would look at them and smile and be and think, "You have no clue. Yeah, you yeah. have no clue. It is true. It because is. I lost the parents, and yeah. I, yeah, I was devastated. But it doesn't compare to losing your spouse.
0: This is true at all." It- this is absolutely true because I had lost both my parents at different times. Right. I had lost a close friend before, a couple of close friends. Right. And you're right. There is nothing that is the same as losing your spouse. Surprisingly right. to me, I, I was talking to a widow um, who had lost her daughter. Right. And then lost her spouse.
1: Crap. And
0: she <laughs> said, I know. And, but she said, as devastating as it was to lose my child, it still wasn't the same as losing my spouse right and you know that one kind of took me by surprise
1: and, you know that takes me by surprise too cuz i would imagine losing a child was, it would be worse but
0: i thought so i haven't too.
1: Lost, i haven't lost a child so
0: <laughs> yeah i thought so too and i was surprised the first time i looked at the um the Holmes stress point scale. Yes. It's used in psychology. It's a number of um, assigned stress points to all these different life events and everything from having to work extra hours in your job to moving to a new house, everything. And the loss of your child is, I don't know, it was somewhere like Sixty stress points, and Mm -hmm. the loss of a spouse is a hundred stress points. Wow! Like it's at the top of the scale. Yeah. So um, I I, was surprised about that. Yeah. Now that I didn't know how I was
1: going to do it. (laughs) The brain brain fog! fog. Oh my god!
0: You know that's like one of the most. um, It's one of the most amazing, beautiful things that our brain does, because it's the it's um, going into shock. And it's the yeah. brain's way of protecting you from the tremendous emotional pain.
1: Yeah.
0: It like shuts you down
1: mm-hmm. so
0: that you're not immediately feeling the pain of the loss. Or you begin feeling the pain of the loss, and it feels overwhelming, Mm -hmm. but the truth is you're not feeling it all at once. It's like over the months that follow, your brain starts to slowly lift a little of that fog a little bit at a time.
1: A very little bit at a time. (laughs) So
0: so that, that pain is not hitting you all at once, because it's like more than the psyche can handle.
1: I can imagine.
0: It's more than the psyche can handle. That's why we experience that fog. Um, So, but now one thing that I found really fascinating was um, I had asked you about the support of the LGBT, LGBT, I get that messed up, (laughs) (laughs)
1: LGBT
0: (laughs) community um, as being a lesbian widow. Right. You said that you had Googled it and found a great site online that right. was like a community for lesbians. For lesbians, widows. yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, but yeah. it's, called, it's called LIGHT, L-I-G-H-T. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot what it stands for. It actually stands for something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's nothing but widows from day one to... It, it, it says day one and then three plus, so... Because each each stage is different and you're in your second year and I'm right. starting my third year. And it is it is very different from day one to the first year. You get through that yeah. first year is the hardest. Yeah. And then that second year it's a teeny weeny bit better. <laughs> yeah. And then that third year. So now that I'm, you know, about to hit that third third year mark it is different you know and this site has the stages it. you know and everybody goes in and helps each other you, t- you tell what's happening to you that day and for the first year I was actually on there every single day
0: oh I would imagine yeah.
1: <laughs> multiple times a day and met some very nice women on there and I actually met a couple of them in person you yeah. know we have got together and and talked about our spouse's you know, and, and and like I said, being a being a lesbian, not everybody was legally married. You know, not everybody could be legally married. So it's a different, you know, it it can be different. I was lucky. I was lucky that we were legally married. You know. Yeah. So I didn't have right. any, any issues.
0: Right, as I told you, I had heard right. about the widow. That was suing the social security administration for the death benefits for her widow um, because they were in a same-sex partnership and i I cried when i saw that story it was like i can't imagine having to fight for your status as a widow you know for so many of us we don't even want to check that box the first time we're presented with a form for marital status (laughs) and you look down and you're like, oh, my God, what box do I check now?
1: But you know what? I'm glad when I see the widow box, though, because yeah. because um I don't want to check. I can't check the married because I'm no longer married. But I don't want to check the single either because That's right. I, I'm, I'm not a true. Yes, I am no longer married, but I'm not really single either. Right. You know what I mean? Not yeah, in, yeah. In, in the same aspect of a regular single person. I am widowed and I want. Yeah, it hurts, but. I want to check the widowed box.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I totally, totally get that. Um, Except the first time, and I think it was, I was filling out something for the Social Security Administration. Mm -hmm. And when I got to marital status, it just stopped me dead in my tracks. Oh, yeah. Because it was like, it was really hard for me to check that box that said widowed. Oh, yeah. You know, and when it was like the first time I had to think of myself that way. Um, and this was like a matter of just days after Jim had died.
1: Oh, so it, yeah. it was,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. it was it kind of through me. Right. Um, so I think it's really fascinating. I just wanted people to hear not so much the differences of the fact that you were in a same-sex relationship, Rebecca, right. but to hear all the commonalities.
1: Oh, it's extremely common. I mean, People, yeah. uh, not all people, but a lot of people don't realize how the same we are. Yeah, we right. they, we raise kids together. Yeah, right. They don't. the children aren't biologically both of ours, but that doesn't matter. Well, no, it doesn't. It do, and, you know, people don't, like my, the youngest, I raised her from when she was born till now. And it was funny. My wife would always look and shake her head, and I'll be like, what? And she's like, she's just like you. And, and she had none of my blood, but yet this kid is so much like me.
0: Right. It's your kid. Those <laughs> are your did. kids. Those but, are your kids.
1: But right? then but but then through genetics, this kid is also so much like my wife. So yeah. it's it's funny how this kid is half her and half me without even having any of my blood. Isn't that
0: incredible? <laughs> and people, Isn't that incredible? Yeah. And I mean and that's what hit me. When I got that letter.
1: Um Yeah.
0: And hopefully I'm going to get to have him on to interview for the Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah. But what hit me in the heart immediately was, oh my God, the emotional pain is the same emotional pain.
1: Exactly the same.
0: Yeah. Being widowed is widowed. It does not matter who you were married to or who you were with. It doesn't matter if you were married or not married, even in a same sex couple or a mixed sex couple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. if you're, if you are in relationship with someone that deeply in relationship so that you are, everything you do is like in an equation of two. That's what I call it, you know, yeah. for all of us. It's like when we looked to our future, it was always in an equation of two. It's where we were going. It's what right. we were going to do in the future. It was oh, yeah. our, our retirement. And mm-hmm. when your spouse dies, all of a sudden, all of that is like just ripped away from you.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And you look to the future and you see nothing because none nope. of what your perceived future was applies to you anymore. Nope. And that's the hardest.
1: Yeah, it, and it is the people, hardest.
0: And there are people who stay stuck there. Yeah. Right? You used a word when we talked earlier that really just hit me. You used the word torment. Yeah. And I love that. It's such a perfect word for what happens, especially yeah, to those who get stuck in it. Right. Right? It's like, don't it's, stay in that torment.
1: You have to get out of it, and as hard as it is. And that first year, you're tormented the most. And it's after that first year, you have to pull yourself together. You do?
0: Yeah.
1: For yourself yeah. and for your spouse. Right. They don't want you to be tormented. Right. They want you to live your life and move on as hard as that will be. Right. You know, after that first year.
0: For some, it can even be before the end of that first year. That, that,
1: that That is true.
0: That they start to perceive a future for themselves. Right. Again. You know, they start to get a glimmer of something that could be for them. Right. I know I sure did. It took me about six months in, seven mm-hmm. months in, but I suddenly lifted my head up and thought, oh my God, you know, what is it right. that I'm living my life for here? Am I just, as yeah. I was just getting through each day, getting through right. each day. And I realized about seven months in, I'm just marking days off on the calendar until I die.
1: right and you know i was doing that too and i had what got me going it was almost the year mark it was just before the year mark i had my yearly physical i was overweight my blood pressure was high and the doctor just looked at me and she's like you gotta change something she's like those kids and i'm like and that that hit me those kids lost one mother that they need to lose another mother
0: oh my god yeah
1: you know so i joined the gym yeah, I joined the gym. I started trying to eat better, and and it started when I made some great friends who started to you know different friends, and you don't realize that because you're you're the friends you have who knew you as a couple. Yeah. They look at you not meaning to, but look at you with pity and sadness. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: They do if they, they look they, at you at all.
1: <laughs> right, right you know and so then yeah. i started making new friends who didn't know beck and stuff they just knew beck and they knew yeah. of stuff they knew i had a wife they knew she passed away right but they didn't pity me right you know yeah. and i started making good friends at the gym granted it was just at the gym but then some of us started hanging out after you know, you got to you got to get out of your rut somehow.
0: You do. You do. And
1: you know.
0: I'll tell you the the gym rat friends are like the best. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I, that's how I have most of my friends in this community Becca is when I yeah. joined the gym and I started meeting people in yeah. this community you know?
1: which is how, how we got together from two of my gym rat friends <laughs> right,
0: right we have gym rats in common <laughs> yes we do <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so, the um, so this is fantastic now I hope you don't mind my bringing this up uh, but you also mentioned as you are approaching the three year mark and you're mm-hmm. starting to think about dating again and seeing yes. other people again. Yes. Which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's. I know that for any widows listening who are in their first year, maybe even in the middle of your second year yeah. this oh. this kind of blows your mind because you're not there yet and no, you're not. i thought I thought for the first two years that there I would never have another relationship again, yeah, like there was no reason I had no desire to Mm-mm. um you know, I was like fine about it, and I have just recently started realizing that my heart could be open to that yeah. and that. If there is somebody that I could have that magic with again, oh my God! There's no time to waste. There's no, no there's, way it, to miss out on that again.
1: And it, it's funny because when I joined Light, when it, and I told you it was different stages, you know, different marks. Some of the women were dating again, and I was like, Oh my God, how are they doing that? Yeah, yeah. But and but but are I you, did keep an open mind about it. I'm like, Okay, maybe someday. Yeah, and
0: you know, oh, that's good because I think a lot of widows will look at that and think, well, they just they weren't that close to their partner, maybe that they no. want to date again,
1: <laughs> right?" No, and, and it's like, not yeah. that. I have no doubt. If Stephanie didn't get sick and die on me, yeah. I would have stayed with her until I died. <laughs> of course, of course. And, and you know that. And being ten years older than her, that was my plan: dying first.
0: Right. Oh yeah. That's, that's kind of a kick in the gut right there.
1: It It is a kick in the gut. Yeah. You know, I would and joke with true. her.
0: My relationship with Jim, we had been married for a little over 20 years yeah. and I was still just as crazy mad in love with him as I had ever yeah. been. Um, yeah. because, well, because I fell in love with his brain <laughs>
1: <Right. Yeah. laughs> to
0: me, there's like nothing sexier than a brilliant mind. Okay, And he was a brilliant Mm -hmm. mind. So it's not that I wasn't deeply in love with my husband, that I would get to a place where I can recognize that I still have that deep love for Jim. I Mm -hmm. surely do. But I realized that maybe I could connect with somebody again. And the realization that any time that there's an opportunity to have something special with someone You cannot turn your back on that. That is, like, the most beautiful thing on the planet.
1: It is. And, you know, and and someone who dates a widow is a very strong person. (laughs) It takes a strong person to date a widow. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I don't want to, you know, say anything negative, but I noticed, and this is just what I've noticed, widowed men, men who – lose their wives i've noticed start dating right away yeah and and then the women that they date have treated their late wives like ex-wives which is a big difference yeah and then they let them they let them erase a big part of their late wife
0: oh that's interesting
1: yeah and i was like i'm not going to do that because if stephanie hadn't passed i wouldn't be dating i wouldn't even be contemplating dating yeah and like i mentioned to you before i recently started seeing someone And before I started seeing her, I I talked to a couple of people, went on a coffee date here and there, and they would not like the fact that I would talk about, bring up Stephanie or talk about Stephanie. And it's hard hard not to, because that was my life for so many years. Of
0: course.
1: And and then that would just put me off. I'd be like, well, that's my late wife. Yeah, it's not like I'm telling you about my ex, because I can care less about any of my exes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Yeah, just yeah. you know, just in general. That you know, that's totally different. But the woman I'm dating now, it was funny when we first started dating. You know, I t- and I still do talk about Stephanie a lot, and she would just listen and listen and listen. And I asked her one day, I go, "Doesn't bother you that I talk about Stephanie so much?". And she was like, no. She goes, it's actually helping me learn what kind of partner you are. Ah. And I thought that was very interesting. I was like, huh.
0: (laughs) Dating a smart lady.
1: Yeah. And it was like, huh. I was like, no one's ever said that to me before. But you know what? I never, no one ever, they just didn't want to talk about that part of my life.
0: I can see that, what? Becca. I can see that. Even though I'm not dating, I'm not right. actively dating. I just can't even think of where I would Ooh. begin or what oh, I would right. do. Okay, right. but one yeah. of the one of the real joys for me is that the one friend who didn't disappear when Jim mm-hmm. died, like oh. all of the other all of the other friends do, because they they just don't even know what to say to you, or right. you represent their a reminder of their own mortality. You right. Know? Yeah. Um but it was Jim's best friend since they were kids, mm-hmm. and he is like the source of great joy in my life whenever we can get together, if he's out this way or if I'm mm-hmm. out in California, we get together for dinner, we share stories about Jim back and forth, right? Yeah. He can tell me stories about Jim that I never heard because <laughs> he knew Jim long before I knew Jim, yeah, and um. To me, that's such a source of comfort that there's somebody that I can casually talk to
1: about Jim. About yeah, Jim.
0: Yeah, because well, nobody else is comfortable with that. Nobody else will bring him up or talk about him because they're afraid I'm going to start crying or something. I don't know.
1: Right. And and what's <laughs> and so? What if you do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes when I'm with my the woman I'm dating now, and if I, sometimes. I'll, we'll bring something up, and I'll start, you know, get teary eyes, and she just hugs me. Fantastic. What, what are you, you going to do? Yeah.
0: You
1: know, sometimes my friends will start talking about Stephanie, and then they'll start crying, and then I hug them.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know? Now, that's fantastic. If you find somebody that you can comfortably share about your, your spouse, yep. Yep. that's fantastic. That's everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know the first, the first two years. Well, the first year after Stephanie passed away, I went to the cemetery every single day. I couldn't start my day without going to the cemetery. And then after the first year, my lo- my youngest daughter kindly and tactfully told me, "You know, you shouldn't go to the cemetery every day." <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, I, and I was like, well, "Well, why not?" And she's like, "Well, she's like, mom's gone, and she's not coming back." You know that hit me. I mean, at at the time, because my daughter was t- ten when her mother passed away. Yeah. So here's an ele- here's an eleven year old telling me, "Mom's not coming back," which I knew.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So then, so then, so then, I I I started. I'm like, okay, I'll go four times a week instead of seven times a week. (laughs) So so I slowly, I slowly started going less and less the second year.
0: What a beautiful thing for her to tell you. And you know, I think it comes from a space Becca where, yeah, she lost her mom at the Mm -hmm. age of 10, Mm -hmm. but she didn't want to lose both moms.
1: Right. And if
0: you weren't emotionally present for her, then she was missing you too.
1: Right. That's true. Yeah. And so now that I'm about to hit the third year mark, I go for sure once a week, sometimes yeah. twice a week. And it's usually part of my Monday routine. I get up early, take my daughter to school, go to the cemetery and then go to the gym and then come home and get ready for work. And yeah. That's my, that's my thing. And, you know, my girlfriend knows this. And every Monday after the gym, she always asks me, did you go to the cemetery? And I'll be like, yes, I did. And she'll be like, everything okay? Because she knows I, I go, I sometimes take my little rake with me and rake the leaves and, you know, keep the area tidy. Yeah. And, you know, and if, if something, if a stone, you know, because I have a little garden, if a stone from the garden falls or if something gets messed up, you know, I, I've got to fix it. And she'll always ask me, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, everything was good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Becca, I love you sharing your story with us <laughs> and talking with me today on the podcast. Sure. Um, because everybody identifies, and I'm telling you, it's not just going to be lesbian widows that no. listen to this and identify with your story. It's going it to be every everybody. widow. Yeah, it should every be every widow. It's going to identify with, with places in this story, right? Mm-hmm. With your 11-year-old daughter coming to you saying, yeah. you know, she's she's not coming back. All right. You don't need to go every day. What a beautiful thing. And yeah. they're all going to identify with that, with the child, even if it's a child who's lost their father. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I was written, a, a review for my podcast came from a, a young woman who said, um, thank you for this podcast because it's helped me understand my mom so much better after my dad dying yeah. and I felt like for a while I felt like I had not only lost my dad but I lost my mom too.
1: yeah, it's hard because
0: her mom was like just stuck in that living room chair in the fog, mm-hmm. staring into space, and she felt like she had truly lost her mom and just listening to the podcast and hearing what it's like to be widowed. Helped her understand her mom's mental state of shock.
1: Yeah. That's. But the kids helped me get through it too, you know? Yeah. Because they needed me as much as I needed them. Right. Right. That's
0: fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you, Becca. You're welcome. (laughs) Wrap this up. And I hope everybody has so much connected with hearing your story.
1: I hope so, too.
0: Are you ready to make a contribution? Learn to coach and enter a new life? I realized that what helped me the most in regaining my confidence after losing my spouse and growing into a new life was because I was a life coach and I was able to coach myself with those skills. And I began reaching out and working with other widows. And that had been so immensely rewarding. It still is. Now I want to offer that same experience and begin to connect the widow sisterhood across the globe. This is my signature program. I've just wrapped up a session of this with the first group of widows to come through this training. And I'm telling you, it has been such a joy to do. I love my students so much. And it's been such a joy to see them not only master these skills to work with other widows, but mastering these skills to coach themselves and see the change it's made in them. I'm looking to fill the next class with 10 candidates. So if you think you might want to reach out and help other widows, or just get some help for yourself and connect with a group of widows, now's the time to jump on board and get into this. It won't be quick, cheap, or easy. There will be work. You'll be coaching each other. There's always a lot of tears and a lot of laughter. It's really a rewarding experience. We get to create a new life for you and for other widows. If you think you might be ready for this, shoot me an email today and let me know. You can reach me at Joanne, J-O-A-N-N, at com. That's Joanne at JoanneTheLifeCoach.com. Our first onboarding call is going to be within the next two weeks, so act fast. We'll be starting the class a week from that boarding call. Thank you so much for joining me today on this podcast. Get out there, find joy in your life today, and I'll talk to you again next week.